2: Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Runners World well podcast with me, Rick Pearson, and he, Ben Hobson. Each Tuesday, we'll be bringing you all the latest news, views, interviews from across the running world. Uh, ben, tell us what we've got coming up this week.
3: Well, this week we are speaking with the incredible Anna McNuff, who's just finished running around Britain in her bare feet. Anna started the 2,000 mile journey in the Shetland Islands in June and finally finished in London yesterday. Her feet are unfortunately too sore to walk to the studio. (laughs) So she's calling in on the phone. But that's enough about that. Rick, what have you been doing?
2: Well, I've been running as well, but in some shoes. Okay, good. So I was at the Adidas Fulham 10K this Sunday. This was the crunch time. This was crunch time. So there was no excuses. It was perfect weather. It really was. It was that kind of slightly cold if you're kind of walking, but perfect once you go. Did you wear a vest? I um, No, you have to wear an Adidas T-shirt. of course you do. That's part of it. Um, So you get that as part of your fee. And a seriously quick course. It was really quick. Uh, I got around in 36.50.
3: I mean, that is fast.
2: Which I was really pleased to get under 37. But it's it's actually four seconds shy of of this PB that I somehow ran a couple of years ago. Um, But happy to have broken the 37-minute barrier. Oh, Um, yeah. Well done. Yeah, it was good, mate, actually. I mean, it's hard. It is really hard work, isn't it, running your best 10K? You don't get a lot of... You know, in a marathon, you might be like, everyone knows it's hard after 20 miles. And, yeah, it, yeah. and it gets hard a little bit before, yeah. than I think, realistically. But in 10K, it's like four of those six miles are hard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, yeah, I'll just, um, I'll see how I'm feeling with like 800 meters left. And I'll put the, it's like, I was, you know, I was really hurting a lot. I've got this routine, mate. It's quite sad, really. I wonder if other people have got it. But if I've if, I, if I got a race that you know, kind of matter matters to me, I, um, I read, this book, How Bad Do You Want It? by Matt Fitzgerald came right. came out a couple of years ago. And it's essentially sort of six or seven case studies of people who are like, have kind of outsuffered suffered people. Right. And he talks about like some of the coping mechanisms you need and kind of, you know, you've got to ask yourself, is it worth it? And you've got to kind of answer in the affirmative. So it gets me quite like... It gets me quite pumped up, and then I think I always have a terrible night's sleep because I'm kind of kind of worked, worked
3: up. <laughs> that's, uh, I think maybe read it a few days before,
2: not the yeah, night before. Yeah, it's probably right. But yeah. it kind of, it makes you know you you kind of hear about these people who are just absolutely fantastic at sort of um, pushing themselves to the limit, yeah. and it makes you realise actually that there's always there's probably always more here to give.
3: I mean, thirty six fifty is punchy,
2: mate. And I was really pleased with it, mate. I was pleased with it, um, and yeah, I should imagine a lot of people got PBs because it was. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it was one hill. It gets a little bit fiddly at times, but it's um, it's a good one if you're targeting. It's a big thing. old
3: race, actually. You said it was like five and a half thousand runners.
2: Five, yeah. I think over five and a half thousand runners. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You think like, chatting to someone about it afterwards, and maybe that's maybe to some extent that's the kind of parkrun effect. I think just people are more, and more people are running, aren't they? Mm. And this kind of idea of running a 10k is now. I've got lots of mates doing it. Did it yesterday. Who, I don't think were running a few years ago. I think it's just becoming running is really booming isn't it and more and more people are doing it and it's great and it was great to see that many people out on the streets kind of all different Overtaken places taken them all <laughs> <laughs> no not all, not all of them <laughs> alas uh, but yeah it was it was a really good kind of it was a good showing of the running world i think
3: oh nice yeah. excellent
2: yeah it was good it was good but anyway let's get on to our guest let's do it guest of the
3: week here in the studio guest of the week sometimes
0: on the
4: the studio
2: I'm on the phone yeah. <laughs> oh you're on the phone not in the studio but that's okay oh, Anna no I think like that you've got the kind of force of personality to make a phone call work just as well as some people yes. do in person or if not better I also hope that you are just now lying down mm. oh my gosh I
4: tell you what I've got my feet in some shoes I'm wrapped up it is living cold out there it honestly is. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Did you finish was it, you
2: finished yesterday, did you? That was when the challenge came to an end.
4: Yeah, around about two o'clock yesterday on beautiful Wimbledon Common, which is full of all the slop, slop and glory that I remember in cross-country as a kid. Oh,
2: <laughs> well, it must feel a, a massive relief, Anna, to be, to be back home, not running around in your bare feet. Or are you, in fact, kind of missing it?
4: Oh, it's weird, you know, like I I definitely was kind of happy, sad yesterday when we, got, when I got into the last mile and I thought, man, this is it. And I was, you know, I had like 100 runs with me yesterday and I just thought. This has been amazing, but I I am just full of relief. I just am so happy about opening my eyes and not having to go running and being able to put shoes on and just being able to relax a bit. So, yeah, huge relief.
3: Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about. It, are you now just desperate for some shoes? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm just stealing them off strangers. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I actually, like, I, I'm definitely, I've been amazed with the whole minimalist barefoot journey. Like, my... Physically, like in terms of my muscles and stuff, I've had one calf injury in 2,300 odd miles, and other than that, like my body's been amazing. So I'm, I'm definitely in minimalist shoes for life. But it got a bit restrictive at points over gravel and all the kinds of different surfaces I've been on. Um, so it is just, it, yeah, it's nice to be able to put shoes back on.
2: I was going to ask you about surfaces. I want you to, I want you to grade these in best to worst, okay? Surfaces. <laughs>
4: okay, right. Okay, so you okay. got, you've got
2: grass, sand. Cement,
4: hard-packed
2: <laughs> trails, or gravel?
4: Okay, I'm going to go... The best is actually sand. Okay. Then I'm going to go sand. If you can find the sweet spot between the soft sand and the hard sand, so that sweet spot down the middle seems a wide beach. Uh, then I would go grass. Um, then I would go cement, because if I get stuck in cement, then maybe I can just kind of stand there, and then I don't have to carry on running. People can just see me like a statue. So I'm going to put that one in the middle. And then um, I'm going to go hard packed the next one down and then the last one the worst is gravel that's the pit
3: if you ever park somewhere that's gravel and you haven't got your shoes on and you go oh, i've just got to get something from the car and you walk five steps in gravel
2: that's the yeah. worst
4: it's like being lightly slapped around the face that, yeah that's exactly what gravel is yeah so, yeah it just feels like
2: that uh, i wonder if you could just remind us all Anna, about the motivation behind running through britain in your bare feet
4: yeah, I know it sounds bonkers. I fully accept that. It's it, it all been for Girl Guiding. So it was about encouraging girls to get out there, do adventures, get messy, muddy, but ultimately to take on things that, that kind of push them, you know, that test them a little bit and put them on that line between terrified and excited. So I was just encouraging girls. I did about three talks a week. I think in the end I spoke to about 1,700 girls all the way through the country about taking on those kind of challenges and just trying to show them that girls do adventures too. We love getting messy and muddy.
2: So can we expect a sort of a next generation of barefoot females <laughs> attempting these kind of challenges?
4: Yeah, I think I'm in a, a bit of trouble with a lot of parents down the country. Also, there's a lot of children that want big, pink hair now, so I've, <laughs> I've got to fight that battle. Um, but yeah, it was amazing, actually, because kids... In a way, they kind of—they're curious about it, but they don't see it. They don't see why it's quite as mad as adults would. Uh, and they all want to slip their shoes off and run around outside. Um, so I've definitely, I think, encouraged a few more kids to to kick their shoes off for a while. But I have explained to them. I said it's probably best on grass or sand, but you know, go for it.
3: Yeah, yeah, oh, glad to hear it. Well, um, was there any point at which you thought that this this was unachievable when you were halfway through the country or at the beginning? Maybe I don't really know when you thought. Yeah.
4: That- I'd say day three. I'd right. say day three. Honestly, uh, I I'm being serious when I because I'm used to taking on crazy stuff. And normally you start and then everything kind of releases and you're you're let into the adventure and you're gone. Yeah. But on this one, three days in, my feet were sore and I'd only started. I didn't. I did like a seven mile day, then an eleven mile day, then a fifteen. So I'm building up gradually, and my feet were in agony. I was sleeping for twelve hours a night, like absolutely just bushed. And I just, and the tarmac was quite tough up in Shetland. And I was having to like scramble through fields and getting my toes stuck in peat bogs and all of this stuff. And I just thought, have I gone too far this time? And of course, at the start of the journey, the whole energy on social media is, yeah, you're awesome, like you're going to do it, Anna. And I was just thinking, am I going to do it or have I just gone too far? Am I just going to be miserable for five months? um and and then um and then i think it was about six weeks in i woke up one morning and i went and, like bashed out like 24 miles and it was fine and i thought do you know what it's gonna be fine it's gonna be hard but i'm gonna be okay i'm gonna keep going
3: still six weeks six weeks is a long time to be sort of like struggling along
4: yeah yeah it is it was a lot of questioning myself um but I thought, and that's when I just, it's like anything, isn't it? It's like running a marathon or even a 10K. Like, I just brought it back down to the right. I'll just do the next few miles. I'll just yeah. think about the next few miles and keep going like that. And then there was a point after about 1,000 miles where I got a foot infection. And um, that, was, that was two weeks off my feet. And I, I thought, oh, no, is this the end of the run. Like, is it, am I done? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I actually managed to get going again. So that was cool, but terrifying at the time.
2: What did you learn about? Barefoot running. Do you think through this process? Because I think it's probably a a very misunderstood um, part of running.
4: Yeah, because I, I mean, I think there are a lot of um, there are a lot of barefoot evangelists out there, and I think I'm I'm kind of like you know you should be able to run and not be in pain. Whatever you put your your feet into or don't, in order to enjoy the running experience, then that's what's best for you. You know, I just think, but I do think sometimes people forget about that minimalist end of the of the spectrum and also forget that our bodies are pretty freaking awesome. Um and they can adapt. And I think the big thing with barefoot running is I did what everyone else did, you know, a few years ago. I went out, bought the bought the vibrant five fingers, ran ten K and smashed my cast
0: a hmm. and went,
1: I'm
4: never doing that again. <laughs> um but I did take like a good I guess like three and a half years to get myself used to it for this run. So I think I think what gets misunderstood is, unfortunately, people, I guess you've got to go out and you've got to do, you know, you've got your set times to do running, haven't you? And um, and some people don't have the time to almost go backwards before they go forwards. And that's, I think, if you're going to be a minimalist runner, you've got to give it that time. But um, but my body's in good shape. And I have to say, like I said, I'm, I'm going to stay in minimalist shoes after this because I think for distance, it's um, it's a good way to go.
3: Um, you mentioned the the um, your your foot infection, which I don't know if people following you on social media probably would have had far too much insight into. Um, did, did you see
4: that picture? Yeah, did it was you, gross. Did you see it? Did you enjoy it? Were you no. eating breakfast?
3: No, it was, it was it was to be fair. I think that I've never seen anyone else's feet more. <laughs> um, Sharing
4: is caring. Is it's true,
3: but do you think? I mean, that must have been an actual a, a real low light having a foot infection because there was. I think that people would probably assume immediately when you started this whole venture that a foot injury or something nasty like that is going to be the end of it,
4: yeah, I think that's it and and I tried to keep it in perspective, which was of course this was going to happen at some point. it was kind of a case of when, and but I think the thing I struggled with the most was the unknown of it because I'm used to getting muscular injuries, you know and I and that that you kind of know what you're dealing with because you've been through it before and also if you don't move that area it doesn't hurt whereas the scariest thing about having this foot infection and because I had such hard skin on the bottom of my feet and the infection was like 10 layers down a it was just waves of pain when I wasn't even moving my foot and and b I had no idea how long it was going to go on for and what would what what would then happen you know is, is my is my foot going to go black you know is this am I about to get sepsis or something you know I'm asking myself all these questions And, um, but, but like gradually you just have to think, right, trust yourself, what's going on right this very second? I managed to get some antibiotics. And uh, Anna was actually rescued by an ultra-running doctor. Whoa, amazing. <laughs> Who said, so, you know, he said, uh, yeah, I can come and see you, Anna. His name's Adam, legend of a guy. I took to Twitter to try and find a doctor that actually got it because a lot of people were telling me, just just rest, go away for three days. And I said, I'm in quite a lot of pain. And uh, this ultra-running doctor said, I can come and see you, but I've got to go and run a marathon on a track first and then I'll be there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, apart from the, the ultra-running doctor, you, you were joined by a lot of people on, on this trip, when you kind of encourage people to go and run different legs with you?
4: Yeah, this is what was amazing. It, so I had over 2,000 people join me on various stages and just a day at a time. And there was this recurring theme of people coming out saying they would just run a few miles or maybe the furthest they'd done was maybe seven or eight miles. And then they'd end up staying for the whole 22, 24-mile day. And it became like almost like their own journey within my journey. And I was stood there running at the back thinking... I'm not doing anything you know and they were going thanks Anna thanks so much for for making me do this and I'm thinking I'm not making you do it you're doing it yourself and I think it was just it gave people quite often because they wouldn't get the information on when to meet me and, until very last minute and so they'd kind of written off their whole day and got childcare sorted and you know abandoned their car on some road somewhere <laughs> And, and when do you ever do that when you're going for a run? And it was all, they didn't know where they were going. They, they left the navigation to me. So I think that sense of adventure and the fact that we often stopped for a coffee or at the pub halfway through,
1: <laughs>
4: that kept people going. They just thought, oh, do you know what? I'll just carry on for a few more miles and then maybe I'll call my other half or I'll get a bus or something. And then they'd end up staying to the end. So it was amazing.
3: Oh, that's great. Was it ever, because um, there's a lot of miles covered and, and obviously people joined you, but was it ever a lonely experience?
4: Yes, definitely. Not not lonely. I never got lonely in terms of not having anyone with me, because I'm totally fine with my own company. But I definitely got weary and and lonely in the sense that it's a big thing to carry on, on your shoulders, you know, this constant sort of pressure and the challenge you've set yourself. And no matter how much other people are trying to help you out with logistics and and making life easier for you at the end of the day you're the one that's got to run the miles you're the one that's got to give the talks and you've got to find a way to keep yourself going and that just gets exhausting and so i think that was the loneliest thing is thinking no no one else can take this from me no one else cares as much as i do absolutely about what i'm doing um and and that just that is weary when you've been doing that for six months constantly picking yourself up carrying on picking yourself up so that's why i think it's such a relief to be done to go oh i can be as demotivated as i like (laughs) now
2: (laughs) well we were going to ask actually i mean what? How do you follow this, Anna? You've done. You've run barefoot two thousand miles across the length of Britain. What's the next challenge?
4: Well, yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I'll, I'll, I normally let things lie for a, a while before the new adventure pops into my head. But I don't always think it's about. For me, anyway, it's not about you know faster and harder and longer, all that stuff. I think for me, it's about curiosity and answering a question of. Isn't that possible, or isn't it and And that's what this was about. It just happened to be very difficult as well <laughs> uh so i' am not, not sure what's next really, but i am just going to cruise into Christmas and then start the new year and and I've got a lot of writing to do i've got I've got a book to write, so <laughs> um, I think that'll be next sitting in a dark room with some coffee.
3: <laughs> you briefly touched upon you spending three and a half years getting ready for this, so if anyone wished to follow in your footsteps what what advice would you give them?
4: I love it, following my footsteps. Right. Oh, yeah, we don't
2: we don't just cobble this script together, Anna. This is serious. <laughs>
4: um, if anyone following my footsteps, I would say, first thing I say to them is just walk around in, in minimalist shoes. Get yourself a pair of shoes with less support and just wear them in your day-to-day life. Don't go running in them. You know, just, just use it to walk around in because you'll already feel a workout and you'll feel your muscles start to lengthen and change and, and you get a bit stronger. So I would say that is the first step. Just walk around in, in a different pair of shoes with less support and
3: see how you feel oh and fantastic and thank you so much for joining us um it is a truly fantastic thing that you've done it was incredibly impressive
4: thanks very much thank you so much appreciate it
1: one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes
0: nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt
1: until you tried it on same goes for your health care
0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: So, just speaking with Anna, weren't we about barefoot running? Yeah. Which I think is, I think it comes in for a lot of flack. Partly as a kind of backlash against, you know, the kind of born to run effect.
3: Yeah. And also the, 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 the knock on effect of the whole Vibram, like uh, court cases and and companies claiming things and people adopting shoes that they shouldn't have and, and all that sort of stuff. I think that there was so much sort of hype around it and then it, it imploded very quickly.
2: Yeah, that's right. I think people kind of over amplified the benefits of barefoot running yeah. and the Vibram co- um, court case was essentially... I'm saying you've made you've made certain claims here about mm. running barefoot as a lack of, you know, you would reduce injury risk. But um I think it's worth bearing in mind a couple of things. Some of the world's best runners grew up barefoot. Yep. So it's still a thing in East Africa, just partly through poverty, really. Mm. You know, just, they just don't have shoes. So like harley Gabriel Selassie, Kipchoge, both decent runners. I think we'd agree. They're, they're all right. They're all right. <laughs> they both grew up running in bare feet. And obviously, you know, this it's not to suggest that that's the reason... That they're good, but it does play a huge role, I think, in the kind of formative years, yes, de-
3: de- yeah, developmental side of it, in terms of small, uh, malleable uh, children' bones. Sure. If you, you know, if kids are running around, you know, everything's pliable and soft, and muscles grow around these things and form. And so, yeah, if kids are running around barefoot, then their feet naturally yeah. grow in a in a way that accommodates that that movement pattern.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. I think so. a Kind of a childhood spent. Out of shoes as much as practicality allows is probably still still a good thing. Yeah, I think um, for sure. And Anna said that, didn't she? She sort of talked about it's as, as important to think about the shoe you're wearing when you're not running. So you're kind of lifestyle shoes. Mm. So you're kind of Vivo barefoot. or I think actually a lot more companies are are cottoning to that. Yeah,
3: I mean, so obviously my my boy is three and I've, he's had a few pairs of Vivos. Yeah, because you know, I in my head I'm just like he needs to. He can't run around barefoot, in, as much as I'd like to let him do that in late, and I don't think it's advisable. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's got his his Vivos, and I kind of feel like that's a nice thing for him. Like in my head, I feel like I'm giving him the best footwear developmental yeah. chance. I mean, maybe not. Kids just move around as they want to, but it, you know, I kind of feel like that's a good thing.
2: I, I agree. There's there's these amazing uh, images online. You can easily Google it, but it's um where someone went and. Uh, I think it was early 20th century. Looked at a kind of barefoot tribe and the kind of and the running, the shape of their feet, Mm. which are very much kind of fan feet, kind of like fin at the heel and and fanned out. So quite large spaces between each toe. So you get this very 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 sort of stable base um, from which to to walk and run. And that, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You can think, actually, if, if you've got stability and strength in, in the foundations of something, that's going to have great knock-on effects to how something overall moves.
3: Well, I mean, if you look at the gait cycle, it's called a toe-off, right? Mm. So when you launch, you know, the final end of the gait is when you're you you know you're pushing off and that's your toe-off. And then if you think, how often do you genuinely feel like you're towing off or are you just moving forward with your whole foot? Mm. And I think that's where the whole, like, the, the, the separate argument between these two things is like in a shoe your foot becomes almost like a a, a one entity mm. whereas in a barefoot ideal is that every single toe, or whatever is an individual part of the gait mm. and I feel like that's where the two things kind of like the, the barefoot thing is advantageous because you're yeah. kind of like the movement within the foot is at its most in terms of like biomechanically.
2: Yeah I agree, I agree. Um, In my limited Sort of experience of doing barefoot running. I do think Anna's right in that we need to think about surfaces mm. as well. Because I think the easiest way, isn't it, is to go out and run on cement. I think you think, or like you know, just concrete. Mm. Um, but I do think the kind of natural surfaces. When we talk about natural running, I think we need to bear that in mind that the the surface needs to come into that natural um, argument as well. and actually man made surfaces, if you say, look, we were born to run in bare feet, maybe that's true, but we weren't born to run barefoot on, on concrete, I don't think. There's not any kind of like evolutionary history of doing that. Yeah. Um, so I think if you are going to do it, yeah, stuff like grass or if you are lucky enough to near, live near sand. It'd be interesting to know what our listeners have to think about barefoot running.
3: Yeah, and if they do add that into their training, I'd like to hear more, like if people go, yeah, I do all my sessions but I always finish with a few barefoot strides mm. or something like that just to sort of keep that, you know, natural running instinct alive.
2: Keeping your... Foot in the game. Exactly. Oh, very good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, podcast at runnersworld.co.uk. This is the Runners World podcast. Well, we received a lot of uh, feedback on last week's episode, which discussed running etiquette or sweaty cat as the cool kids say. All the cool kids. <laughs> yeah, they're all saying sweaty cat yeah. while they're out happy slapping or something. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> to recap, uh, R.W. sub-editor and arbiter of good taste, John Carroll, came on to discuss um, how a polite and considerate runner mm. should behave. And we discussed everything from kind of shirtless running to suspiciously quick sprint finishes. Yes. And John thought bo- both those things, among other things, were, were kind of signs of the impolite runner. Um, anyway, got some great responses from people. So, Marianne, Fikine, I'm gonna say is how you pronounce the name, and apologies if that's not right. She says, First of all, thank you for the amazing podcast. Finish. <laughs> Finish that letter. Uh, no problem. She said, in this episode, though, I felt um, I had to share my thoughts with you. She said, first, the comments as runners pass you by. I love that. When people pass me by and say something motivational, I assume it's out of kindness and love it. On sprint f- on sprint finishes, I am guilty and I can uh, see how it is annoying to some. However, it's not because I don't give it my all. I just finished my first half marathon and loved it, but was completely dead in the end and thought I was near death. <laughs> oh, dear. But somehow, when I got to the finish line, my legs took over and I sprinted my way through. um and she said it felt like a bit of an outer body uh, experience, which I think, yeah, I can I can understand that. And digging she, deep. Digging deep, yeah. exactly. And she said, uh, finally there was a comment about shirtless or topless running, and you said this was only uh, for men. We were talking about. And you said that's silly. Women can be considered running topless with a sports bra. There was no reason why we shouldn't uh, shouldn't be discussed. Personally, I'm not a fan of topless running for men or women, whether they're fit or not. Uh, fit or not. That's the end of my rant. Hope some of that makes sense. It does. So thanks very much, Marianne. Yeah, I think we had another Ben as well. Yeah, we did. We had an email from uh, Roger Major. Apologies, Roger, if that's not great, He
3: write, he wrote to us and he said, as a runner of two years who joined the sport from cycling world after a nasty crash, I enjoyed your piece on etiquette immensely as the life on two wheels used to be riddled with rules such as what kit is acceptable for example yellow jersey should only be worn by the winners of the tour de france not office fatties on a sunday poodle and replicate is only acceptable if it's retro but back to running a thing i do a lot in races if if i'm overtaken or near the end is to say gore mate show us how it's done the recipient nearly always takes it well and comes back with an equally self-deprecating retort i've actually made a couple of strava friends this way beat stony silence any day
2: which is great. And, yeah. and finally, most thrillingly of all, Rachel Stevens. From S Club 7? I don't believe it's Rachel. Oh. He says, I found the tips on running etiquette really entertaining, and I love the etiquette song. Oh, God. I had
3: a small bit of news that I wanted to add
2: to this wonderful episode. Nice. And it was
3: more of a shout-out to the Conwy Half Marathon, which took place on Sunday, the 17th of November. And ahead of the race, Run Wales, the organisers, warned runners that if they dropped their litter during the race then they could be disqualified.
2: Yeah, that's great, isn't it? That's a good, like... I like that hard line. Yeah, zero tolerance kind of attitude to it.
3: Yeah. So I thought, you know, big big, big, tip of the hat Mm. to those guys because I feel like that's a a bold move to tell people that. And I think pulling people from a race, if they're slogging away through a half marathon, perhaps casually, accidentally perhaps, Mm. discard their uh, gel wrapper or something like that. That's it.
2: Yeah, but I think we need to take bold bold steps, don't we, with yeah. this stuff? Like, um, it's one of the few bad things about mass races, isn't it? Is actually that that they can leave quite a big footprint and quite a lot of litter behind. So yeah. good. Fair play. Good on Conway. We're behind that. Yeah, well done them.
3: That's it. That was the news. There has been more, but that's it.
2: <laughs> that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World well podcast. A huge thanks to our guest Anna Mcnuff and to you, of course, for listening. The Runners
3: World podcast was recorded at Number 8 Studios in Soho and is available on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. If you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and we will see you again next week when we will be speaking to presenter, author and runner Vassos
0: Alexander. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Gigi Palmer.